everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. This week, I have a new grad nurse. I have a new grad nurse and a labor and delivery nurse. I have two sort of novel kind of things going on that we've never had here on Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Hi, Mackenzie. Hi. So glad to have you. I've worked with Mackenzie when Mackenzie was a CNA where I work. And so... She's been a CNA. She's also a new grad. Now she's a labor and delivery nurse. How Are you off orientation yet? I am, actually. I think I've been off for about two months now. It's crazy to think about. Oh, my goodness. But, yes, it was... <laughs> It's been, it's been crazy, but I love it. That's so exciting. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so we're obviously going to talk a lot about labor and delivery. We don't talk a lot about that here on Good Nurse Batters, only because I don't have any <laughs> other than I, the fact that I birthed three babies, but that, that's not the same thing at all. <laughs> that's totally different. I just know that in nursing school, when I learned about all of this, the OB stuff and the labor and delivery and did a few weeks of clinical um, it was just, it is just a completely different world. It is it really nothing is. at all like what no. we do in regular no. acute care, critical care, anything. It is complete, a completely different world. So I can't wait to talk to yeah, you about it. it. So we've got some good stories. We got pretty much everything is going to revolve around labor and delivery. All of our stories, the good, the bad, the news, all that stuff. The first thing we're going to talk about is this viral photo that went around that's kind of yes. really cool video the sister i think are they were they twins uh, i think they were yeah yeah so, and then she, her sister she came, she went to her sister's house after a long shift and sat there just kind of yeah. like you know you've kind of wanted to talk you've been this way before where you're just yes. like i'm <laughs> yeah. so exhausted and whatever the shift has been yeah. you're just ready to just and she just, just let it out yeah she just let it out and her sister took a picture it was so sweet didn't tell her she was doing it and then posted it and she's like oh she's going to kill me for doing this but i just got to she wanted everyone to understand and to know where she 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 must have been sitting there. I imagine thinking, "Wow, people need to know people uh, other people because you yeah. don't know unless you yeah. you've either been through it or have been with someone who's been through it. Like you, you just don't understand it. Can, have you have you had a shift like that yet? I know you've only been off orientation, for, but I know you oh, had to yes. have. Yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> my first night off of orientation, I had a stat section on my own. Oh. So at five a.m., so I was you know I was like I'm. I was just so, I was just so confused and I was like, oh my God, but luckily I have like some of the best staff and they're really so much helpful. And it was just, it went a lot smoother than I expected it to go. So, but still, I just needed to let that out afterwards. And luckily my roommate is a nurse. And so we both work night shift. And so she had worked the night before and we just came home and I just like cried to her in the kitchen. And I was like, what if I'm not cut out to do this? But then there's also the shifts where you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be. So. Wow. Sometimes you just gotta let it out. I wonder if everyone listening has has not had that exact same thought in their mind. If you've been a nurse long enough, you or if if you've been a nurse for one shift, probably. Yeah. You you have that thought. Even before I can remember being in nursing school wondering that. Like thinking, Yes. Gracious, this is so hard. I don't know if I even realized how hard this is. Am I ever gonna make it to that point? Yeah. Yes. It's just so it's incredibly hard and you people and it's great that you do have a nurse that your roommate is a nurse that that she could understand it because I do feel like people that are not nurses or at least in the medical 
profession, they, they really, they're not able to get it. I don't blame them. They're not able to. They can't comprehend it. I mean, they can try, but yeah. no. I would not have understood it before. I don't expect them to understand it. And it's a, a lot of the reason that I don't, I don't usually talk a lot about it to people that aren't in the medical field because I don't, yeah. I don't want to appear like I'm whining. One thing that I know that there, there's, when I first started working on the floor as a nurse, I know I was a lot more vocal about the negative stuff that I even realized. Yeah. And I think I impacted some people who thought about going into nursing who decided not to. And later I thought, yeah. wow, I didn't mean for that to happen. I was, yeah. you know, you just kind of process through things yeah. and, and it's hard. And that's when I kind of thought, you know, I don't want to discourage people from going. This is an amazing profession. I want to encourage people. Yes. So that's really yes. a lot about what this podcast is about. It's trying to encourage people, bring out the positive. While, yes, we do want to vent and talk about some of the negative, it happens. It's good and healthy, I think, to talk about it. Yes. But keep focusing on the positive because it's a wonderful profession too. It really is. And I remember being in nursing school and even like, um, before nursing school, hearing people who are nurses ask me, like, what do you want to do? Like, what are you in school for? I'm like, oh, I'm in nursing school. They're like, oh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I like, I didn't want to be that nurse. So like, hopefully I don't come off as, you know, complaining too much or negative because I really do love what I do. Yeah. It's, it's hard to uh, explain sometimes how you love, you can love what you do. And at the same time, and I think it's so frustrating. Surely other jobs are like that also. Yeah. You can like your job and still want to complain about the stuff that's kind of sucks. Absolutely. So I do try to remember that though and try to be positive to people, especially if they're not in the field. They can kind of, mm -hmm. you're a nurse, you get it. You know, I can love my mm -hmm. job and at the same time want to complain about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I try not to complain too much to people that maybe don't get it. But I definitely don't want to turn someone off who is wanting to be to go into the profession. If you kind of feel that that's your calling, I don't. I don't ever want to discourage yeah. someone. No. We need we need nurses. We need nurses. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need nurses. We need good nurses for sure. Yes, especially. So this this I thought was so cool because when the sister posted this, it went viral because I think that people. Really, it just something kind of hit home with a lot of people, not just yes. nurses. It was people, all kinds of different people going, wow, look at this. This is yes. amazing. And they were appreciating how hard and labor and delivery nurses. Oh, my goodness. I remember following the day that I followed an L&D nurse and she, it, I, the day that I followed her all day long, she had been working night shift for like two years. She was an experienced nurse, but the, that day was her first day on day shift. And I remember her saying to me, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this, but I haven't been doing it on day shift and it's just different. And she was, she was stressed. She was a little stressed. She had a C-section. I went and followed her doing that. I watched her putting in the Foley while the surgical techs and everybody else was standing yeah. there staring at her waiting. And I thought, oh goodness, this is... This is yes. so stressful. <laughs> I felt bad for her. She's trying to get all the charting done. So you think, well, you have one patient. Yeah, there's a lot to do with that one patient. Yes. There's, you just don't even, you can't comprehend it if you're not doing it. There's just so much charting. It's so much just all like while supporting this mom who is about to bring her baby into the world, you know, 
it's the happiest day of her life and you want to be there for her. Yeah. And this particular mom that I remember her following, she wanted to have the baby vaginally. She did not want to have a cesarean cesarean section. So, of course, we had to go right up until the moment and then we had to go into the C-section. So, I remember that nurse, she barely got to run back for a little break and eat something for just a minute and come back. And I was just thinking, this woman has one patient. What in the world? This is insane. Like it it was just, I just don't think people understand it. I I barely get it now. And I, my hat's off to all L&D nurses. It's just, it's a hard job. It's amazing. And if you do it Right, which I doubt you really have much choice at this. You know, you it's not like you can just sit back and not do it, but you've got to be special to be able to handle that. Yeah. So I appreciate you, Mackenzie, for doing it. I know it's hard. And you guys have to know all the hard stuff. You've got to know these drips. We've done stories on here about, oh my goodness, there's an awful, awful story about a labor and delivery nurse who was an experienced nurse who accidentally hung a bag uh, that was supposed to be for the epidural. The bag was supposed to go in as a drip and she hung it as a Ivy piggyback antibiotic. Oh, no. Yeah. And ran it in over like 30 minutes or an hour. And it, it was not good. The outcome was terrible. That nurse ended up, it was not good. The whole situation was bad. And so what you guys do, the level that you're working at, you are way up there. And it's just... I don't think that you get near the recognition that you deserve. You are an entire specialty and everything that you know, the rest of us don't know any of that stuff. We yeah. barely learned a little bit in nursing yes. school. We just don't know yes. all that stuff. It's all together one and then and then one in itself. So we have like med surge, ICU, ER, like we have our own triage. Yeah. So it's everything. ER calls us and they're like, hey, we have this patient. Like, what do we do? We're like, and they're like freaking out yeah. because they don't do babies. So we're like, you know, just wear on up, <laughs> whatever. And then, and then the sick ones, they're when they're sick, they're sick, yeah. super sick. Um, yeah, it's just it's it can be scary really quick, but the good definitely outweighs the bad, and that's just that's the part I love about it. Yes, and I'm so glad that there are nurses, plenty of nurses out there like you who are willing to do that job because it is hard. It's a, it takes an emotional toll. I know it has to it on you guys because there's there are bad things that can happen. And there are bad things that do happen, yeah. and when it's bad, it's it's bad. oh, it's just like the worst you can imagine. Yeah. You just it's that's yeah. why I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. The, yeah. the one day that I worked, that I remember being on that floor, I I wasn't a part of it, but I knew there was, that it was going on. There was a, a patient who, when she got there to the, to the hospital and they hooked the baby, her, you know, hooked her up to the monitor, the baby didn't have a heartbeat and she yeah. had to just sit in the room hooked up to a monitor and just go through the, just that's, go through that's everything. That's the worst part for me. I've had a couple of patients who came in, you know, have IUFDs, baby just wasn't moving as much and they came into triage and they couldn't find a heartbeat Ugh. so they have to induce her at that point because you know you got to get the baby out and it's just heartbreaking to be that nurse mm-hmm. and you know she's going through this labor that you know she's supposed to be a happy time you know but instead she's going through this labor and not really getting the happy part out of it no you go you normally the moms are they at least know that they've got something positive. They can't wait. Yeah, to look forward to, to get through this. Yeah. Right. And in this case, they know they're going home to, you know, 
an empty nursery. Yeah. I could not do it. I knew when I left that day, like, I can't do this ever. It's not something I can ever do. And I'm so thankful for the nurses who are willing to do it because you, we have to have you. You have to, somebody's got to take care of these people. Yeah. So thank you, Mackenzie. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) So we're going to talk about this bad nurse story. (laughs) Pretty off the wall. (laughs) It is so crazy. And sometimes I just feel weird talking about this stuff. And I've talked to my husband about this before. Like, it's so bizarre sometimes talking about the bad part, this darker side of humanity and the things that people are willing to do. And I've always said that I feel like we can't not talk about it. You can't just pretend like stuff like this doesn't happen. Almost taboo, but you, you know, have it still to. Goes on. You have to yeah. shine a light into that dark, dark side because, for one thing, you have to bear awareness that there are people out there willing to do things like this just so you can be aware. Because of this actual story, this we're going all the way back to 1975 to, to for this story. What happened? This this labor and delivery nurse that did this, and I can guarantee you, there are a lot of changes that came about because of this. Because of what she did. For sure. So thank goodness. Uh, And so if you don't talk about this stuff, those changes are not going to happen. And so that's why I feel like it is necessary to talk about it. But at the same time, wow, it's not easy to talk about sometimes some of the things people are willing to do, especially when it's nurses and you just think these are the people are really? Come on now. (laughs) How? How how can you... What would Florence say? Exactly. (laughs) No, world would Florence say about this? How ashamed (laughs) she would be. So this woman is Norma Armistead. She was a labor and delivery nurse in 1975. So she was not exactly married, but she was living with a, a man that I guess she'd lived with long enough that it was sort of common law kind of thing. They were... They were sort of living as maybe husband and wife, but things were not going really well. She was worried because he wanted children and she had had a hysterectomy a few years before in 1961. So she wasn't able to have children. And so around September, 1974, this lady by the name of Mary Childs, is nine months pregnant, she checks into Kaiser Hospital in Los Angeles there in California, and Norma Armstead was her nurse. And at some point in the middle of the night, Mary woke up with Nurse Armstead and several doctors around her. Now, if you know, if you see more than one doctor around you, something's wrong. <laughs> there is something wrong. You barely gonna get one. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. if you got one, if you got more than one, something is not right. Yeah. So she heard the nurse, Nurse Armistead, saying that the baby was unconscious. And the doctors told Mary that the baby hadn't survived because there were massive amounts of narcotics in her system. So here the the doctors are just, you know, judging the crap out of her. Yeah, yeah. And Mary is laying there going, what are you talking about? I've never taken drugs. I definitely haven't taken drugs while I was pregnant. And I did, you know, have recently not done it. The doctors didn't believe her, though, unfortunately. And that that will come back to bite them big time because not only is it going to be awful for for Mary, but later on. I mean, can you imagine something like this happening today? What do you think would happen? And I mean, really think about it, the number of patients that come into our our hospital or, you know, any hospital 
that, you know, have do a urine drug strain on and you, you find drugs in their system. So if a patient comes along and says, oh, I didn't do drugs. What's your first, I mean, be honest, what's your first impression? Okay, so... Obviously, we all know we have the drug epidemic. Yeah. It's really bad in this area, especially, and it's it's no exception to pregnant pregnant women, right. which is very unfortunate. Yeah. But usually, we know that ahead of time, and so like we kind of have their history. We kind of know, but you know, there's a couple cases where spotty prenatal care, or whatever, mm-hmm. and they come in like, "Oh, I'm not on drugs." And we're like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, we're gonna do this anyway, just because you know precautions." And I mean, as a nurse, you're supposed to believe the patient, but I mean, you can tell for the most part when people are lying to you and it, it's really unfortunate, especially when they're pregnant, if we're going to lie about something about that. Yeah. I mean, you want to believe them and I, I try to believe people. The thing is, you do know that there is yeah. a drug epidemic and there are a lot of people on drugs yes. and there yes. unfortunately are, there are a lot, there's an entire, there are entire floors of babies mm-hmm. and NICUs yes. that are completely dedicated yeah. to babies that are addicted, born addicted to drugs. So this is something that happens. This is not. Which that program is amazing yeah. for the baby's sake. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, if the mother's honest, it's best for both mom and baby. I mean, we're not going to judge you. You made a decision. You have to live with the repercussions. We, we don't, we don't have to live with that. I mean, of course it's going to, have an impact on us and, you know, seeing a baby, that's really sad, but ultimately it's your decision. So, yeah, I mean, we'll take care of you all the same, but we definitely will. They don't always know that though. I think sometimes they think we're going to judge them. They're going to be, we're going to, so they want to lie, you know, lie about it maybe. And just, so I guess I could kind of understand the doctors and nurses just being like, okay, sure. Right. You know, your system was positive. The baby is I guess I, what I'm saying is who in the who in the world would their th- first thought be that someone drugged this nurse and that and and switched the baby no one's going to think that no one no that no one would think that <laughs> no so nurse armistead though had been the only person the only medical person in the delivery room while that baby was being born it was a little girl and she told the the parents that the baby was stillborn. But what the doctors didn't know was that the the nurse had somehow managed to steal an infant from the morgue that had been stillborn nine days earlier. Nine days. That baby had been basically in like a frozen state in the morgue. And she took that baby and replaced Mary's live baby with this corpse, even though... The baby showed signs of deterioration. It it had a foul smell. It was noticeably smaller than what a full-term baby should have been. And it should have been a full-term baby. She had been, you know, pregnant for nine months. And, but they, they accepted, even though the, the nurse is like, hey, come in here. This woman just gave birth to a stillborn. Like she was able to just orchestrate this whole thing. And they just bought it, hook, line, and sinker. Of course, it's 1975. But I don't care what the absolute is going on here. Do you? I mean, seriously, do you think you would know the difference between a baby that was oh, still newly stillborn sure. and a baby that had been dead for nine days? Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, even though it had been in the morgue, it's still nine days, nine days out. 
It's just and hard it's to smaller. understand. Yeah. Yeah. These people are experienced yeah. practitioners. How in the world did this happen? But I guess if, if you're just not expecting it. Yeah. If it's newly stillborn, then, I mean, it's still going to, you know, it hadn't been dead in utero for, you know, however long. It was still alive when she came in mm-hmm. and then supposedly she gave birth and it died. So, you know, it's going to look like a normal term baby right? rather than a baby that's been decomposing for nine days. No. I know. I just, it's hard for me to understand, but just trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess for them, they must've just, I, for them, they must've just been thinking, wow, I've never seen this before. Weird situation. But who would go there? Who would jump to, oh, this, it must've been that the nurse somehow orchestrated this whole crazy story. So apparently though, she, she had injected Mary, the, the patient with enough narcotics that knocked her out so that she was able to kind of create this whole scenario. And that's why she showed all those narcotics in her system. And then she hid that baby in a nearby children's hospital and somehow convinced everyone that she had given birth to that baby on her way to the hospital. How'd that possibly happen? I mean, she she's at work, okay, working a shift at the hospital. How do you leave your shift and go hide a baby down the street, like at the hospital down the street, and what is in the world is going on that you're able to like on your lunch break somehow leave the hospital, go down the street, hide a baby, and then what's going on at that hospital that nobody notices? <laughs> How in the world did she, she's working a shift, okay? She's working a 12-hour shift. How do you go like, oh, I'm going to go on lunch and you run down the street to the children's hospital? What are you going to do? How are you going to hide a baby in a hospital, then run back and finish your shift? Then you leave that baby there. Nobody knew at that hospital. I mean, it's going to take some time to explain your situation. You can't just say, hey, um, I'm going to take my lunch real quick and I'll be back in like 30 minutes. And then just go and take, hey, I had this baby. Um, Can we check it out? Like, you know. It's hard for me to understand this because somehow this worked because she came home with that baby and she had that baby for several months, this baby that was not hers, that she was somehow able to hide at the children's hospital down the street because the next year, because that was in like September of 1974, and then the following year around May, eight, nine months later, she checked herself into a hospital, the one that she works at, claiming she gave birth on the way to the hospital. So I guess the baby that she had stolen eight months (laughs) earlier wasn't the right gender. Because her boyfriend, turns out, wanted a son. Not just a baby, he wanted a son. So she's like, oh, crap, now I got to go steal another baby. So sometimes I hear stories of women stealing babies. And, you know, I I sort of feel sorry for him because if you think about it, someone who goes through nine months of pregnancy, Mm -hmm. they're... Just a normal pregnancy, you can have postpartum depression. Very rarely a woman can go through postpartum psychosis. It's very yes. rare, but it is it's horrible. And someone who loses a baby can definitely suffer. So I can almost kind of like sympathize with that person, even though I don't agree, of course, with what they did. Yeah. I can like be, feel really bad for them that they were just so suffering and hurting so much. And postpartum depression, like we were talking about nursing earlier, like you don't understand yes. it unless you, you have went through it yourself. Like I personally haven't experienced it, but mm-hmm. you know, just being around this culture, it can be just a scary, scary thing. And I mean, it can mm-hmm. make you think bad things and eventually act on those bad things. So, I mean, 
kind of understand it, but then in another standpoint. I mean, like, I can sort of just like sympathize with them. I definitely would never think that what they re- would do is okay yeah. by any means to hurt and you know all these people. But this woman clearly just saw these babies as objects to use to get her boyfriend. You know what I mean? They all she cared yes. about was her boyfriend staying. And yes, these are just the, the the babies, the the women that were having these babies, these families. They're nothing but objects. I mean, what in the world is wrong with somebody who is so warped that they would not even care to destroy all of these lives just over a boyfriend? I, I, don't, I don't, and it's scary to think that, you know, she yeah. is in this profession or she was in this profession and that she was yeah. a nurse. That's the super scary part to me. You wouldn't know if she still two babies or not, you know. And that's, you know, week after week, we hear stories of people in this profession, nurses, doctors, all kinds of different medical professionals who just kind of lose it or are just not the person that everybody around them thinks that they are. And that's the thing about healthcare is that it's made up of just people. So yeah, you've got people doing these jobs. So I think people think that we're like, have some sort of superpowers, we should be different yeah. than the rest of society just because we work in healthcare and we're held to a high standard, but we're all human. So, I mean. I wish that was true. I wish there was somebody yes. to weed through the the bad eggs, you yeah. know, the bad apples. But unfortunately. There's no way of knowing until it's too late. I do think the vast majority of people who work in healthcare are amazing, wonderful people because yes, I work sure. with them. Yeah, I see them all the time. Yeah. I mean, I see people sacrificing. I see people working 12-hour shifts and maybe taking 10 minutes to run back and scarf something down and go 12 hours without drinking water and get a kidney stone. <laughs> People sacrifice themselves literally to take care of other people, to take care of your family members. That's that's what most of healthcare is. Yes. But then you have these these people. There's some outliers. Yeah. So around the time that Nurse Armistead had, quote, give birth to this baby <laughs> on the way, you know, that that uh, in May of 1975, Catherine Viramontis a 28-year-old woman who had been nine months pregnant, was found dead in her apartment in Van Nuys. And it turns out that Nurse Armistead had visited her at her apartment as supposedly under the guise of a, some sort of checkup or to, because she was overdue for her pregnancy. Well, when she did, she inserted an IV and anesthetized her. And while she had her under, she stabbed her in the neck penetrated her spine, and then removed her son by cesarean section. She basically performed a C-section right there in her apartment and took the baby. That is insane. This is the second baby. Like the first baby, she did that whole scenario where she just replaced the baby with... But this was another extreme. Yes. Obviously, she was obviously very mentally ill. She was just... Yeah, escalating. Everything was just... She was just desperate. Whatever it took. So the hospital staff became suspicious because then when she checked herself into the hospital saying that she had given birth, they're like, wait, so I know you had just given birth like nine months before, but there was no sign that she had given birth before. Uh There's no sign that she had given birth this time. I mean, if you work with someone, I... You would know if they were pregnant or not. Yeah, and how does she, she's a labor and delivery nurse. She doesn't realize that these people, she's going to go to this hospital. And how does she not thinking that they're going to know she didn't just give birth? She's going to, I'm confused. She knows they're going to try to do 
you know, like a, um, what is that exam and exam that you guys do where you like press on their fundus or whatever to see, to see <laughs> the, the fundal check or whatever. What do you, she, how does she not know this? I know this and I barely remember this from nursing school. I don't. There's stuff you've got to do to people that just had a baby. Exactly. And I think that she's just so blindsided by everything. Who, I mean, she's just so focused on getting this baby and making it right with her boyfriend that she just doesn't care. She stopped to think, wow, this is wrong. Or wow, people are going to know. People are going to get on to me. You know, I yeah. think, I really think that's what was going on in her mind. Yeah, she wasn't thinking at all. They also realized that she had had a, a hysterectomy in the 1960s. So, I mean, 1961, that's a, this is 1975. Uteruses don't grow back. <laughs> no, girl, 15 years ago, you, you had a hysterectomy, like not, you didn't get it's your tube tied, gone. tubes tied. Everything is gone. Yeah. This is crazy. So poor Catherine Viramontes, the mom that had been pregnant for nine months, she was found by her three children, ages ranging from four to eight. Oh my gosh. They found her that morning and the autopsy revealed that she had bled to death from her stab wounds. And uh, of course, police quickly connected the fact that this woman showed up with a baby at the hospital. Then staff was going, this is not adding up. She could not have been pregnant. She could not have given birth. Police are going, okay, then we, we find this young mom dead baby is has been removed from her stomach so then they go and arrest Norma Armistead for murder and the baby is returned to the father of course now he's got four children including a, a newborn and no mom no wife to help take care of them so sad oh so during the trial Norma Armistead claimed that she had gone to the patient's apartment to administer the uh, medication to induce labor. Now, what I know there's some medicine that you put like in their cervix that sort of helps to. Yeah, it's called. Well, there's two. There's one that's kind of like it goes in your cervix like a tampon would. Okay. Instead of just in your vagina, it goes in your cervix mm-hmm. or around your cervix. That's called cervidil. Okay. And it just kind of, it's a cervical ripening. So it gets your cervix ready and soft to dilate. And then there's also called mesoprostol, which that goes. Um, also, it's like a little small pill and it goes around your cervix and it does pretty much the same thing. Okay. Kind of softens everything up and yeah. gets the process starting. Yeah. But we typically, I mean, we wouldn't do that at home, obviously. I mean. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's 1975, but yeah. I still think it would probably have been odd for a nurse to go yeah. to someone's home to do this. Yeah, yeah. For sure. She said that she had a vision that made her believe that her victim was her former boyfriend's or her boyfriend's former wife. So she thought she was attacking her boyfriend's former wife during the murder. And then she cleaned, after she cleaned her hands off of the the victim's blood, then she said she realized, oh, she's dead or or she's dying. And so then she cut the fetus out in order to save the fetus's, the, the baby's life. So she tried to plead insanity. She basically was like, oh, I just had this vision. And she tried to act like it was just, she didn't know what she was doing. And she, oh, then once she realized what she was doing, then she she took the baby out to save the baby's life. The jury didn't buy it though. 
As they shouldn't. I mean. Obviously. She'd done this before. She had stab wounds in her neck. She obviously stabbed her and it was all premeditated. She had done this before where she orchestrated this whole thing to steal a baby, but it turned out to be a, a female and her her boyfriend wanted, uh, not that he, her boyfriend told her this. This is all, she is just hearing this like, oh, you had a daughter and she, and he wasn't happy with this. So this is just her orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah. So... She was convicted of first-degree murder. As she should be. Oh, my goodness, yes. She was sentenced to life in prison. Of course, this is 1975. Now, here it is, 2019. She's like 80 years old now. And I don't, I think, I was looking to try to figure out what happened to her, where she is. What the last thing I could find from kind of forums, like on Reddit and people talking, some of them would be like, I know this person or um, my daughter was friends with her, blah, blah, you know. And what I could sort of glean from all of that that was pretty a pretty consistent story was that she was released from from jail into almost like a hospice kind of thing, but she's not really aware of what's going on like she's really sick um yeah so she's kind of being kept alive but but not really aware of what's going on definitely no way she she's gonna you know be able to do anything to hurt anyone else a lot of people are like well it doesn't matter she still should have to stay in prison and then some people were like yeah but why should the state be yeah Yeah. and why should the state be paying to keep her alive but then again they're probably paying for it anyway we're paying for it one way or another yeah so that's the story of Norma Armistead from 1975. So Goodness. crazy. I'm glad I had to go back to 1975 to find out. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I do think that security has oh. gotten so, so good. Security is an amazing thing, especially, mm-hmm. you know, where we work. It's, yeah, we have security there all the time. And then on labor and delivery, we have our own like baby tags where we have you know, our badges, like only our badges work in certain places and then like a code. It's just a big ordeal to move the patient from labor and delivery to postpartum. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a great thing that we have great security. Oh, yeah. You want it to be that way. I mean, I I know that like I work at where I work, I work at the same hospital you do. I couldn't just wander over there. You have to have a special type of a badge. You have to have a reason to be there. Yes. When I transferred from the previous unit to labor and delivery, like my badge wouldn't work for like the first two weeks I was there. So like it was, I had to get security and have my badge changed and it was just a necessary. Yes. And that's how it has. It's a very good thing. Yeah. It definitely puts moms and dads at ease because Mm -hmm. even if it's rare for something like this to happen, the fact that it could happen at all, you definitely never want something like this to happen. Exactly. So thank goodness there really are not as many cases of stuff like this happening because it's the hospitals have just tightened up security so much. Yes. There was a story though, and I was look when I was looking for this story, I actually was looking for a different story about a I thought it was a nurse who who stole a baby from a hospital like eighteen years ago and then that baby grew up and somehow they discovered that she was kidnapped. And then yes, they, I remember reading about that. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, it wasn't a nurse. It was someone who dressed up like a nurse. Oh, it was just so scary. Yeah. It's so interesting. I was watching all these different stories about it and, and news articles. This, the baby, now she's like 18, 19 years old. And she stands behind the the, ki- the mom that kidnapped her. I know. 
it's kind of interesting. I I don't, I mean, that's all she knows. So yeah, I, kind I was of, about to I don't say blame that's her. all she knows, so we can't blame her, but yeah. I mean, it's just a very sad situation. Yeah. Although she's still, she said that she sees her family, her family that she was taken from as family as well. And she's met them. Awesome. She's excited to have them. Yeah. So. And that's like a weird dynamic because, yeah. you know, the family, her, her real family would have to, you know, be in contact with the one who, you know, right. took her from that family. Yeah. I think I didn't keep looking just because once I realized she wasn't a nurse, I thought, well, she's not really a nurse. So I, I kind of just let yeah. that story go and was looking at this other one, but I think she did get convicted and maybe got probably something like 15 to 20 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. She's, I'm pretty sure she's in jail. So I find that really interesting. It would be so hard for someone who was kidnapped as a little infant, yeah. spent 18 years of her life with this person who was, by her account, a very good mom and took really good care of her and she had a great life. I mean, that's a silver lining. I mean, yeah. I'm glad she didn't grow up in like, you know, a terrible home and a bad upbringing. Yeah. At least she, you know, yeah, turned out okay. Exactly. So that was our bad nurse story, our bad labor and delivery nurse. So we have a really good labor and delivery nurse also. And there's probably a million good labor and delivery nurses. Yes. They're all wonderful. This story, though, I thought was so cool because this one nurse in particular, Lisa Jones, she is a labor and delivery nurse. So she delivers babies. Hero right there. Just you could we could stop there and just be like, <laughs> yes, she delivers babies and takes care of moms. But what she also has done is she was a surrogate mom and it actually carried babies and was a, a surrogate mom for, for moms who were not able to carry babies. In the article, it actually said, births babies for those who can and delivers them for those who can. And that's, that's my <sighs> favorite part. <laughs> I know. So she's a gestational surrogate turned labor and delivery nurse. And so she has dedicated her life to helping others. And she definitely is like an incredible nurse. She was helping create families with her own body, she says, carried babies for women who couldn't do it for themselves. And she then as a labor and delivery nurse, she said she now gets to help create families with other people. Six different children. That's amazing. Six. I wouldn't want to give birth to my own six children, much less. <laughs> I only had three and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> That's just so amazing to me that she just, you know, decided to do this out of the goodness of her heart. You know, she saw the need and she, she acted on it and, you know, so selflessly. She said she was 20 years old and newly married. Her cousin was dealing with infertility. And after talking about with her husband, she offered to be their surrogate. And she said, I had the ability to help someone I love achieve their greatest dream. So why wouldn't I do everything to help? She didn't even hesitate, apparently. And then in the end, her cousin decided to adopt, but Jones's desire to help never went away. So after having her own biological children who were now in their 20s, she decided to revisit the idea of surrogacy. And she said, dealing with infertility means a lot of heartache and sadness, of course. And helping people heal from that heartache is a joy for her. She said she compares it to being a living organ donor. And it's kind of interesting because I just did a story yeah. last week 
about that. And we were doing that show me your heart. That's something else that I'm really passionate about. Oh my goodness. Yes. And after, you know, we started this show me your heart campaign on Instagram and Facebook, trying to get people to show their heart on uh, their driver's license so that we can, you know, if you haven't done that, go to your, your local, uh, wherever you're supposed to do that and sign up to be an organ donor. Yeah, you can even do it online. You do it online now. Yeah, I know that we can, in the state of Tennessee, it's so, so super easy. And I would imagine most states have this. Yeah. Some people emailed me and were like, well, actually, I don't have a heart on mine, but you can still do it. It may not show. Yeah. Yeah, it shows something. And the thing is, it takes so much pressure off of your family if anything Especially happens. Yes, that time. They got a direct route. They just go, everything happens. The family's not really aware of even what's going on. And so it's just so much, so much better. And I think that, you know, working in the unit before I'm transferred to L&D, it, I think that's really where I got my passion for organ donation. It's just seeing those families hurt and seeing the need and these patients who are just, you know, they're not going to get better but they can do something to help. Oh, yeah. It is so important. And that's kind of, I think she sort of saw that as sort of similar, giving, being able to extend, give a part of herself to help someone else and to create life. And Yeah, she has the ability. Yeah, organ donation is so similar to that, just extending life somewhere else. Why wouldn't you do that? I'm so amazed. When, after I posted that on Instagram, I got a message from a, a nurse who said, hey, I just want to let you know, I just gave my one of my kidneys to my aunt. And I responded back to her and was like, I am just dying right now. I was at work when oh. I saw that. And I was just like, I can't stand this right now. I was just so, so emotional. Amazing. And I responded back to her and I was like, would you like to be on the show? She was like, seriously? Yes, I want to be on the show. And she's like, I'm only one week out from the post-op. And I was like, I'm going to throw this phone across the room right now. I can't stand it. That's amazing. Makes me so Gosh, happy. what in the world? Why have I like I want to be like these people? These people yes. are just so, so good and so that is so selfless. Like all, all I'm asking people to do is just put a little heart <laughs> on your driver's license. That's yes, all. You don't know the difference after you're dead. I mean, no, yeah, this person is. This woman is actually. She actually gave a kidney. She's still alive, yeah, and she was like, "I got I two. Got two. You, you can have know, one you of can them. Have one. I'll give you one." <laughs> So awesome. And then I said, you know, definitely I want you to, she's like, oh, I want to. So she's going to come on the podcast in a couple of weeks after she's had a chance to recuperate from her surgery. But then she also told me that her aunt is a nurse as well. And I'm like, this is the best story. I love this. That's why I love this podcast so much. I get to meet the most amazing people. I'm already excited to listen to that one. (laughs) I cannot, cannot wait. I cannot wait. It'll be after Thanksgiving whenever uh, she gets to feeling better and we can talk about it. But I'm just so, so stoked. So that's what this woman kind of, this nurse that we're talking about, this labor and delivery nurse who literally carrying babies for all of these other moms. It's so wonderful. So kudos to her, this labor and delivery mom, Lisa Jones. We're so happy for her and so thankful for her and nurses all over like her who are who do all kinds of self-sacrificing things yes. on different levels everywhere. So we appreciate you guys and we appreciate you, Mackenzie. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you guys do as well. I mean, working as a CNA with you guys, it was just so awesome. I knew like going into that job, I thought that's where I wanted to be a nurse, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I went into my labor and delivery clinicals. I'd always kind of knew I wanted to be like either a baby nurse yeah. or something like that. 
and then I did my labor and delivery clinicals. And the first day after, I was like, this is where I need to be. Like, I just knew. And then, you know, I was just so excited to start. And, of course, I loved my job previously as a CNA on the floor that I worked on. It was amazing, amazing people. But I just knew in my heart that's not where I was supposed to be. So I learned so much from you guys. So I owe a lot to you all. Thank you, Mackenzie. And I... You guys should, yeah, and listening to Mackenzie, I know that there there are a ton of nursing students that listen to this podcast. I hear from them all the time. So I want you guys to be encouraged by this and listen to what Mackenzie's saying because that is, just listen to that. Think about it because you, when you're doing your clinical, something is going to click with you. I yeah. promise you, yes. You'll get there. It was just like day yeah. and night. I was, you know, I was kind of nervous going my laboratory because I I didn't know what to expect and then saw my first birth and I was like I turned to my instructor I had tears in my eyes and I was like this is where I'm supposed to be this is so awesome and she's like I know oh, I can tell <laughs> yeah you're all gonna and some of you will be like me and just be like get me out of here as fast as you can I never want to come back <laughs> yes you either love it or you hate it there's no in between <laughs> and then you'll do a, a you might do your rotation in psych and you might think, oh, this is, I cannot wait to come back here. This is where yeah. I want to be. And everyone else is like, please get me out of here. Yes, you, that's how I was. But yeah. I had some close friends in nursing school who were like, <laughs> I love psych. I want to work in psych. I'm like, great for you, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know yet, maybe you have been doing your clinicals. Maybe you've graduated or you're about to graduate. You're trying to decide where to get a job and you just don't know. And it's not clicking with you just yet. Don't worry. Go get a job on Go get a job in med surge, get a job in an ER somewhere or get a yeah, job. You can totally like yeah. shadow in other places and just get a feel for that. Yeah. As well. It'll it'll click at some point somewhere. Well. Just keep trying. Something will click and you'll figure it out. Don't worry. There's something out there that's right for you. It's just yes. maybe you haven't figured it out yet, but it's there. You wouldn't be in nursing school. You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't go to nursing school for nothing, I promise. No, no, no. No, no, no. Definitely not. Well, thank you, Mackenzie. I guess that wraps up another week of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Yes, it was fun. I appreciate you. Well, you guys can find us on goodnursebadnurse.com on our website. You can send us stories. I love it when I get uh, messages from you guys. I've gotten so many messages from people and I keep saying I'm going to, I keep telling Mark, we're going to uh, have to make a special place on our website for all of these people sending us messages because I am so overwhelmed. Sometimes it's hard to get back. I try to like immediately just respond back to people. But then I know I go back and I'm like, look at all these people. And I, then I'll sit there for like an hour sometimes responding to people. If I haven't responded to you yet, number one, just re- just send me another message because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's just not easy. I, you guys know I work full time, so it's not easy to do this and that. Not that yes. I want to complain about it. Like, you'd be like, <laughs> I mean, I know we're nurses, so we can't, I can't we complain about doing a podcast <laughs> for crying out loud. It's a podcast. So, <laughs> but anyway, you guys send me messages. I love it when you just send me stories and all that stuff. You can look us up on Instagram at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse and on Facebook at GMBN Podcast. I want you guys to remember that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, right, Mackenzie? Yes. Yes. Be a good nurse. Always. Please. <laughs> <laughs>